Obsessive conversive, don't know what episode. Doesn't matter. I'm jo- is it eleven? Um I'm joined by my brother, little Tomo, Sean Thompson, and the Tomo, if anything. The, <laughs> the one and only Al McGregor from Inner Armour. Welcome out. Powerful evening. Al McGregor. Uh, so Al, could you just give us a little bit of an intro into who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, I run a company called Innerama, which is all about um, training uh, police and military serving and veteran um, to use psychological coaching with each other. So um, in a kind of very simple things, you could say we're, we are a resilience company. Um, but taken to the nth degree, like we're quite frightening and we're quite scary and we cover the dark stuff in the fact that um, maybe a lot of maybe other psychology companies or wellbeing companies are too afraid to or too nervous to touch. Um, yeah, that's about right, Tomo, I think. Who is Tomo now? See, there's two of you. Like, <laughs> I'm Tomo. <laughs> well, little Tomo that's Little Brown. Tomo. Okay, right. Yeah, Little Tomo, Big Tomo. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, same, Sean, same question to you. How would you explain it? How would you explain it in Rama? The way I describe Inarama, and I know you hate saying it, but it's uh, an avenue to give veterans of the military, uh, military personnel, police, extra tools on their toolkit, on their bat belt, you might want to say, um, and basically helping you and others around you using a buddy buddy system. So before things like depression, PTSD, anxiety, and things like that really take hold, they give you this, I'm going to say it again, this tool to guide you out of this dark place that you can find yourself in, yeah. I think is a, is a good way to uh, describe it. So, yeah. so essentially, it's it's setting you up not to fail. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a piece of kit. It's a piece of psychological kit that you take with you, um, and that's kind of how it started. In the fact that I was kind of gobsmacked that um, military and police didn't have anything for their heads before they went in to do what they do, um, and the expectation was it was totally fine. Um, because if they got screwed up or something happened, they would ask for help. And I think that's the fatal flaw, you yeah. know, is like, because they're not going to ask for help and then bad things are going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, oh, and also I think you can, I mean, you can take it even bigger and layer it onto the UK. I think, um, UK has got a really bad, the, you know, there's loads of stuff that's great about the UK and the kind of culture and, you know, I'm not going to slam it at all. However, uh, we're really bad at talking and we're really bad at asking for help, um, particularly blokes. And for a system, an entire system of kind of care and resilience and help and anti-suicide or suicide prevention or suicide help, 
um, it, that, that means the whole system falls apart. And that's kind of what I've been seeing is like, there's a whole bunch of stuff in people's heads that relies on, well, you learn this and you apply it to your own head. And I kind of counter argument is, yeah, but you're the last person to know when there's something not okay upstairs. That kind yeah. of makes sense. Yeah. That... So our kind of model, like it fits into our model, like our kind of logo is a star, but it, it's five shards of a star. Um, because the star doesn't exist, you know, we're just balls of flesh, all of us, doesn't matter how ripped we are or how experienced we are, or like, we're a ball of flesh, right? <laughs> you know, we're flesh and blood, that's it. Uh, and we're actually incredibly fragile. And um, I wouldn't say weak, I kind of play with that for a while and say, you know, like, you know, are we actually all weak, which we are, you know, as human beings, like, we haven't got some massive shell, we're not a great white, we're not, you know, an atom, like a badass, you know, in the species world. Um, but I think we, be, we can behave like we are, like we're invincible, you know, you can't stop me, like I'm badass, you know, until you get hit so hard and then you kind of realise that. And I think maybe there's there's merit in kind of starting even for like school children level and going like, look, you are really fragile. There's stuff you can do about it and you can build your strength and you can do this stuff and that's all good. Um, but the people who will save you are just that. They are the people externally to you and around you who will save you. And if you isolate yourself and you're on your own, then you're in danger of, of falling prey to something really nasty. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that was, that was a very, very powerful statement. Um, I think, um, I think you're right. It's always, it's always been the way with, um, how, well, I always remember, I'll, I'll give you an example of, um, a time when I was, I think I was about 15 years old. Um, I had to be a, a coffin bearer for my, my gran. Um, and Sean, Sean was a bit too little to, to be involved in that. So he had to carry some flowers and Sean got quite upset about it. Um, and I remember feeling like really, really upset. Uh, but prior to that, my, I found out that my, my gran had died over the phone. My dad phoned me up and he was like, your gran's passed away. Don't tell Sean. Uh, bear in mind, my my grand lived in Wales, so they were a good um, two hours away. Um, so I had at least two hours um, to. Oh, hang on a minute. My internet's unstable. Great. Um, I had a, at least two hours at fifteen years old to sort of try and get my thoughts together, but also not tell my little brother who was quite happy watching cartoons downstairs. Um, and then I had a conversation with my dad a few days after. I had to go to work um, after the funeral as well. That was um, sort of how my dad got me to deal with it. He was like, come on, you got to go and wash dishes now. Um, and I remember him saying to me, wow. he, put his, he put his hand on my shoulder and was like, boy, you've got to be strong for your mum. I don't want to see you crying. And I was like, oh. I did I've, it's, that's always stuck with me, actually. Um, the, the sort of stiff upper lip of the, the British people. It's always stuck with me that mm. don't, don't show when you're upset, um, feeling a bit shit, um, yeah. may, maybe feeling depressed or whatever. It's always like, suck it up because there's always somebody worse off. And yeah, it, I, I just, that's, it, it stands in my head. There's my stutter thing, Sean, again. Um, Stands in my head, yeah. the the whole, um, you know, you you take on as much as 
as you can because you're a man and you're strong and just just crack on these things happen get on with it and it's not necessarily the best way to deal with it if i'm honest <laughs> no did you um yeah dan did you think like, at the time you just kind of accepted it and just kind of went like yeah that's how it is you know i can i can deal with that that's okay because it's someone's just giving you a process in the middle of grief and it's just a direction you're like i need a direction i'll follow that one um it was the the whole scenario was really weird because we had to um like me my cousins my brother christmas um, eve as well yeah it was christmas eve um we all had to travel to mm. wales we all had to travel to wales for the funeral and like sean was very young and he, he he was really upset he was really close to my gran and he was really upset um and my other cousins who were i kept it, I kept it together until night time wasn't it until no it, the night before i was a mess and you you consoled me for quite some time yeah. Um, but the day of the funeral, from what I remember, was I was supposed to carry the wreath behind and then they were supposed to take it off, take it off me. But they put it on top of the coffin. Yeah. And, you I, get... and I, I just lost it. <laughs> at, this, yeah, yeah. At, at this point, being the older brother, I didn't I, I wasn't able. I was, I was literally carrying my ground at this point. So I, like, I couldn't help him. Um, and. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a very strange situation because my 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 older cousins were all okay, they were fine. Um, yeah, and it's probably because they were that that little bit older. But I was still at that sort of crossroads stage. I'm not quite an adult, and I'm not a kid anymore. I'm still in that weird sort of in between phase, and um, it was it was almost reassuring actually when when my dad put his hand on my shoulder. And was like, you need to be there for your mum. And so, yeah, I, I guess like being told, like being told, and having a a job almost did sort of guide me that day. But it stuck with me. That's that's the the thing that I think um, yeah. it's that has stuck with me for well until now. Like, if there's a problem, I'm the one that will just be like, like I'll, I'll literally just go. Pfft, completely blank yeah throw everything to the back of my mind and make sure every person around me okay. is sorted and okay it's just it's just how i and then every now and again i'll have a blowout and just probably get pissed as fuck and make an idiot of myself but it's just <laughs> you know what i mean i never actually yeah actually confront the issue and just put my hand up and go i'm not all right it's just like no i'm fine just leave me crack on yeah, um, I think you kind of you danced on, and there's there's a couple of things that you kind of said that that make a lot of sense, and actually there's a lot of good and a lot of truth in that, and that it goes against kind of what, I think what we're being told, um, social media wise and media wise, and looking at it. So yeah, that thing of you know don't worry about you, look after somebody else, um, is very honourable and feels very good and feels very positive psychologically, um, and it works as long as someone's looking after you. And it doesn't work um, as from a, from a team point of view. You know, it's not no criticism of your dad or anyone. You know, anyone shape or form. If no one's looking after you, but you're looking after everyone else, then that's like a recipe for crushing and burning. 
because um, you've got so much, you know, like, and everybody knows it. It's a common sense thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, or when you're five pints in, <laughs> everybody yeah. knows it. Um, you know, but we don't do anything about it. And I think that, um, you know, I think everybody gets it as well. I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, unless you're a moron or unless you kind of, you're cruel or you've, you know, you tragically, you've had a lot of abuse in your life or kind of whatever. But everyone kind of is like, yeah, we need to talk about this more. Yeah, we need to be raising more awareness. Like, okay, great. Then what? You know, what are you going to do? And your dad, like, I mean, let, let's take that as a really good example. He took action. He did something. There was some traction there. He like, he didn't have to put his hand on your shoulder. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to act, you know, but he acted in that. And that's what I'm going to talk about today a little bit, this kind of ghost psychology thing, which I'll get to in a minute. It's very exciting. Um, and I'm very nervous because like, this is, this is a very new, raw, unprocessed kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he took action. Like you were in distress and he took action. And um, there's a kind of argument to say, like as long as it was positive and as long as it was came from care and love, could it be wrong? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, you know, the equivalent was nothing, you mm -hmm. know, just let you, let you do it. You know, saw you in distress and he acted and he did something. And I think that that's a real strong symbol for where, where I think we're lacking um, because we don't do anything. People say, you know, you know, we've all, uh, well, I think we've all, I know we three have, have, have all kind of had contact with this, but like when you've got a friend who is chronically depressed or suicidal or, you know, even worse, you know, about to do it, you know, reach out and talk and say what, you know, like, like, you know, uh, your mate's going to kill you. What, what do you say to him? Like, don't do it. You know, like, um, it, you've got something to live for. Like, you know, and kind of, from my experience, like hundreds of people across recent ministry, when you talk to people who have come very close or the families of people who have lost people, they were like, there's nothing you can do. When somebody makes their mind up that they're going, you know, it's, there's, there really is a point of no return. Um, but pre that, there are things you can say and there are things you can do. And um, to me, that's what attracted me to kind of the field of positive psychology. And it's very much quickly becoming the black sheep of that scientific field um, because it kind of goes against it. Because I'm like, look, it's all the science of the good stuff and the science of kind of well, well, what's behind love and care and joy and happiness and resilience and emotional intelligence and strengths. Um, and I remember when I was kind of, um, studying it and stuff and kind of being like this is great but it's in the wrong place you're doing this to CEOs you're doing this to people who are pretty happy or they're okay or they're kind of whatever you know what would happen if you took this to people who were in the dark you know the, those that, that, that was always the scary thing is yeah. you're you're giving the, the coaching to serving members of the police and and, and military and, and veterans and Obviously, yeah. there's a high number of veterans that have mental health issues such as depression, uh, PTSD, anxiety. Those the the main the big three, as I will call them. Yeah. And it's like we we mentioned in the actual course itself. It's opening that Pandora's box. What's going to happen? Mm. Are we going to be able to close it, or what's going to happen when it's open and then all the darkness comes out? Where's the, where's the light going to come from? But with the coaching, with the 28 questions, with with the post-traumatic growth, which I really enjoy, Good, it? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it can it can really it really works. And mm. testament testament point right here, it works. I've done it. 
Yeah, I think I think um, we should tell your story a little bit. No, well, not your you know not your story, Sean, because it's mega, and it's on a video that everyone can go and see. Whiskey and, oh, whiskey whiskey and, and wrong decisions. <laughs> Belting quality video. Um, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it just it just I'm just not okay with it, and it keeps me up at night. Um, that kind of the people looking after us, one, you know, from a NATO military kind of standpoint of guarding the skies and guarding, you know, guarding us from the really bad stuff. What are we doing for them? Very little. Um, and from the people you call when there's an intruder in your baby girl's bedroom, what are we doing for them? Not a lot. Well, I'm, on, I'm not all right with that. And I, I think like it's, you know, um, it reminded me, you know, talking about reading bios and kind of looking at and stuff like, yeah, you know, if like, if I'm going to die for this, that's what it takes. And I think perhaps the academic community, I think, forget how serious this is. Um, like we're just, we've just signed, not signed a deal. So. <laughs> not some record company, um, but like we've just kind of um, engaged with this fantastic professor um, called Christian van Neuenberg, who's, um, as far as I'm concerned, the best co professor in coaching in the world, based at um, University of East London. And he's we're going to do this paper, and, or he's going to do this paper and kind of on the Inner Armour Method. And with all good research, you know, it's never a done deal and you don't know what's going to happen. I think I know what's going to happen um, and I'm prepared to be wrong and that's fine. But um, the kind of research element, they're very, it, it, it strikes me, not hit, I mean, not even him necessarily, but like the academic community. When it comes to putting a bulletproof vest on or doing a police shift or walking onto a military base, you can watch the blood drain from their faces, you know, where they're like, this is real. Like this, this is, it's a world I think so many people, millions of people never get to see. And, you know, and, and just, it's nobody's fault that like, you know, psychology as a field is, is often applied afterwards. Um, and the reason why I kind of scream from the rooftops about the prevention thing is it's all there. You know, like I've been to the books, I've stayed up like ridiculously late and spent years reading through all the stuff to d check, double check, triple check. Is this right? Is this okay? Is this safe? Is this ethical? Is this gonna happen? And yes, it is. And it's relatively simple. And just with that, those little bits of knowledge, you know, it can kind of help. And um, yeah, it's kind of become, well, it has become <laughs> kind of like, that's what I want on my tombstone, you know? And like, it, it's, I want to move psychology from post to pre. And actually kind of, if we knew more about our own heads from school, even from school, you know, then I think we could all be a lot happier and a lot, and make better decisions and understand and be there and that, that kind of hand on your shoulder from your dad and there should be five people going around in a circle you know you put your hand on someone else's shoulder your dad put your hand on his shoulder so on and so buddy forth. buddy system yeah you're all you're all trained. yeah you're all trained you know and but then <laughs> there needs to be a kind of on my view which i'm prepared to be challenged on my view is that there should be a semi-formal process for that there should be some science behind that and some some power behind that and not just relying on the individual and their charisma and personality traits to kind of be like, yeah, let's have a beer and we'll have a chat. Well, I mean, you know, before I even started this psychology journey, I remember having friends who were kind of in trouble and I didn't answer their calls because I didn't know what to say. I'm not a bad guy, you know, like I wanted to help. I wanted to kind of make, you know, and um, what do you say? You know, yeah, mate, I'm struggling a bit. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you got a rope around your neck? Or does that mean you want to go for a drink? Or does that mean you've just been dumped? Or does that mean, I don't know. And if it's, if it's any of the three, what, am I, what, what can I do? 
you know, and it's almost like a kind of double negative. Like you listen to that and then it kind of cascades and multiplies and you're like, well, I, now I feel guilty for not helping, but I didn't know what to say. And, you know, God forbid, you know, and has happened a lot, you know, it's like I had a text, but I didn't say anything. And then, you know, I'm at the funeral. Well, I mean, everybody loses on that. Everybody loses. Whereas I think, you know, what we're really good at as human beings is the team, you know, and kind of pulling together and making it happen. And I think, media and society and how we kind of bit we are we are brought up uh, stops us thinking like that we're in our phones when we're consumed with buying things we're consumed with you know the next paycheck because partly because we have to be um and there's yeah some beautiful quotes about um you know you go in a bookshop which not many people do now because <laughs> amazon but like there's a massive section on self-help but there's never a section on help others yeah um buy loads of books on your own development and your own stuff. And there are entire companies making way more money than we're making, like all about, you know, help yourself. And um, I refuse to be drawn into that because I think. Like Tony Robinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it's got merit and it works and, and, you know, fair play and it's a good idea and I get it. But I think specifically for police and military, there is such a brotherhood and a sisterhood there. People will die for the person standing to their left. Gladly. Mm. If your mate's in trouble, they'll take, people will take a bullet for him. And it's something I, I never understand and I don't want to understand. You know, I can, I'm very, I'm very um, respectful and I have a lot of admiration and those people are a lot more brave than I am. Um, but I can feel it in the teams. So like Tomo's kind of group of like, I mean, they were all there. I think it was Army, Army Marines. We had, uh, yeah, we had tri-service Everyone. and then a few police thrown in there for good oh. measure. Yeah, and just but that sense of, you know, when your life's in danger, you know, you need to look, you know, you're not that strong. Don't care if you're clad in armor, don't care how good you are, don't care if you're the number one sniper in the US Army, like you're only as good as the guy watching your back or girl watching your back. And that's, it's really stuck with me. And I kind of, I've, I continue to learn and be humbled by kind of spending time with kind of service men and women and continue to be amazed by their perception of lack of intelligence. I mean, that's, that's what kind of keeps surprising me going in and out of military bases and stuff. Be like, well, you know, I haven't got a degree or I haven't got a GCC or I haven't got this. I'm like, well, yeah, but you've just flown like a B-52 and done this massive thing and, and done this huge operation and saved thousands of people. And yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I'm not clever and I'm not anything special and whatever. You're like, um, yeah, okay. Kind of think you are. I had a, uh, a, a similar conversation with a cousin of mine um, at my my dad's mum's um 80th birthday um my my one cousin is he's a doctor it like i'm not even I sure i believe he's got two doctorates in something two, two, very wow. very clever guy very clever but um yeah. we we were annoyingly clever if anything yeah <laughs> i bet he's nice as well isn't he i bet he's good yeah. fun and he's nice yeah that's not real, fair real yeah. nice guy but we were playing a, a a word association drinking game and he started being like just making it not fun so he was using language that just like the even a highly intelligent person would be like well i get that that associates associates but in terms of a drinking game here mate this is supposed to be like tree branch etc this is not supposed to be linking <laughs> all, all the stuff that he was coming out with and um it got support we've been a, we were a few pints in and he started really 
going in on um, Sean and his wife, but not not in a, not with no malice. He was just he was stitching them up with these these associations, and um, it was almost like you're a hairdresser and you're an infantry soldier. Try and keep up with me, sort of thing. And I, I turned around to him at one point and I said, "Listen, mate, can you cut hair?" And he was like, "No." I went, "Can you shoot a rifle?" And he was like, "No." I went, "Well, shut the fuck up and just play the game properly." <laughs> Bear in mind, I am the eldest. I am the eldest cousin, so it was a bit. He was a bit like, huh? "He is the godfather." <laughs> the future. Um, Big Tomo. Yeah. Well, no, that's my dad. My dad. I'm just Tomo. Sean's little Tomo. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but in, most people don't call me Tomo anymore. Um, but yeah, that was just a, that was an example of that. But um, now that we've sort of you've you've said your bit, there was a few things. Well, two things I wanted to bring out of that, like sort of monologue you had there, which is firstly. Do you think there's scope for maybe a, a branch off of Inner Armour to start in schools where like you're focused mostly on frontline stuff now? Is there a possibility in the future that there is sort of a division of, and not, not necessarily specific schools, like not necessarily inner city schools or anything like that, just schools in general, that you do have a team that teach what you do from maybe high school or the end of primary school um, so that the next generation of, of kids that are going to be, you know, be the future uh, military, future police, future ambulance, future fire service have already got those tools. It's not something they have to learn as an adult. They learn it as a, a child and perhaps in some way they then will potentially see the signs a lot earlier because the a, a scary thing for me is I've got a 13 year old daughter and in her friendship group there's already been not with them but with their siblings um there's already been suicide that's already happened um there's already been signs of th yeah, things like bullying stuff like that how to deal with that and I, f I feel like along with most kids learning something like jiu-jitsu at school would probably be beneficial because I don't know if you've ever done jiu-jitsu, but if you, you roll with somebody and they're better than you, it's quite humbling. But also if you know the psychological, psychological factors of, like you said, the, the five people to your right, the five people to your left, you, if you've got that tool from an early age, surely that's going to produce a, a group of humans that are going to be far better at noticing their, the, the other people around them and also possibly noticing signs in themselves. Yeah, great question. Um, the answer is yes. I think, um, yeah, the education part is, is key. And... Um, interesting isn't it you know kind of younger and younger they're dealing with more and more and more and um there's a kind of broader question around modern society and kind of what it's doing um but anyone kind of plugging into netflix like if, if anyone hasn't watched it who's listening watch the social dilemma um, Good documentary i haven't geez. watched it yet i've been 
I've, I've yep. been recommended by my, my good friend, Joe Rogan, and the, <laughs> the director, the director of, I think it was the director or producer of that documentary to watch it with, with my teenager. Um, yeah. Just to sort of open her eyes yeah, a little definitely. bit. Yeah, it is. It's I watched really it and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's a billion dollar machine behind the, our phones, you know, targeted at kind of exploiting us um, for profit and gain. Um, uh, but yeah, the education thing, absolutely. I think um, my relationship with education has been turbulent in the fact of like, you know, I started as that. I started as a teacher and kind of um, spent a good 10 years working in, in inner city schools with a similar kind of approach of like almost this kind of tough love, but at the same time, very emotionally caring. Um, and I'm huge, you know, like I'm some six foot four, massive kind of dude, whatever. And like, and always was, I was always sent into the fights. I was always sent into the gang territory. I was always sent into kind of like patrol with a radio and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, and I kind of, I fought for it for years, years of kind of saying, never mind teaching the maths, like teach them about this teach them about like how to understand their own heads, teach them about how to talk to each other, teach them about emotional intelligence. Um, and it was the kind of primeval soup really that kind of what I'm doing, sounds quite derogatory, I don't mean it like that, but like it was the precursor and the very basic building blocks of kind of what, what I'm now doing and what we are now doing as Inarama. Um, and interestingly, Inarama started for teachers. The whole thing started for teachers because I, for the same thing, I was convinced that like, if you got it in schools, um, surely it would cascade down if you could teach the adults how to do this how to do this 28 question methodology then they would do it with each other and then they could potentially maybe like take it to the kids um and it was such a flop um and the reasons i think you know if you're going to fail fail hard publicly loud uh, <laughs> um you know give it your best shot and then take a smack in the face um and my god did i take a smack in the face um but yeah and and they're not ready and it pains me to say it because there are some incredible teachers and incredible schools and incredible leadership, but they're not willing to have the conversation yet about exams don't mean shit. Like if we're going to, if we're going to boil it down, you know, like, and particularly now after COVID, you know, the whole aim when you enter is let's get those A stars at GCSE because that will mean you get to university, which means you'll be clever, which means you get a good job, which means you get a good house, which means you'll be happy. And we're, and they're still selling that. And that's not said with any criticism of any teacher or the education system or anything like that, uh, because that's what the machine does. You know, it kind of churns out whatever. And if you mess that up, you know, particularly like me, <laughs> like I was like, you know, I wasn't, I was denied psychology. You know, they kind of said, no, 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 don't do that. Do drama. I was like, I don't want to do drama. I want to do psychology. Yeah, but you haven't got your maths. I don't fucking need my maths. I got a calculator. What are you on about? Yeah, no, no, no. It's not in the same option block. Sorry, you're gonna have to do drama. <laughs> and the farmer's like, what? So I made it work and actually it turned out pretty well. And actually, the, you know, I learned how to present and learned about myself and it worked really well and blah, blah, blah. But like, I think there's a lot of ghost kids. I think there's a lot of kids who one time put their hand up and say, I want to do this. And they are ignored, shouted down, told that they'll never get a job in that. So they listen to it and they do maths and English or they do whatever they think they're meant to do. And, you know, it's even worse if they're good at it to me. This is really grim, isn't it? We're going to pick this up in a minute. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but they, they start down this path of like, well, I'm good at it, so I might as well, that's clearly what I'm meant for. That's clearly what I'm good at. Well, I'll just get a job in that or I'll make that happen. Um, and there's there's no reward and there's no drive and there's no, you know, it's, it's about the paycheck at the end of the month. Um, and so, yeah, the very, very, it's a very long way of answering your question. I think there's a lot of scope for inner armor education and to kind of, to get that in and make it happen. Um, I'm not the guy to do it anymore. And like, it hurts really hard because that was my world um and that was kind of what i kind of wanted to do i wanted to take it into education um do you think that's down to do you think that's down to the 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 nature of academics that they um because there's quite a lot of um i wouldn't even say controversy but it's just modern culture at the moment which is sort of dictated to by academia it's like it's the it's the lecturers it's the the people who get tenure at a um a university um that it's it's almost like if you don't agree with what the university the school the the college say then essentially this is where this this whole cancel culture has sort of come Mm. from is that like you take so i mentioned it to sean the other day about uh jordan peterson and Jordan yeah. Peterson essentially has not said anything. I mean, he's got some weird ideas, don't get me wrong, but he, like publicly he hasn't actually said anything overly out there. He just, the, the college, the, well, I think it's a Canadian college that he worked at. I think it's Canadian. I might be wrong, but um, he refused not to go into work because on that day it was only the black students and black um lecturers that would go in as a sort of a an eye opener to the 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 black culture there and he refused and said no because i've got nothing against anybody that's black i'm still going to go to work and i'm still going to teach these kids and then from there it's sort of snowballed and he's he's been on rogan he's been he's been on all sorts of podcasts and he's now become sort of a personality and to himself and maybe that was his his plan the whole time but you you see things like that and you see the the whole thing with the gender pronouns um you see the whole thing with um well you you can even move it on to sort of how the black lives matter um movement changed um from being sort of like no they they it does matter to all of a sudden like all the footballers are taking knees um, and half of them, you know, do nothing for the cause to the fact that I've also heard that the, the, the guys that run the whole black lives matter movement are radicalists that they're, they're just trying to create chaos. What, what do they call them? Um, agent provocateurs. Is that, is that the right word? I think it is. So what, well, I mean, I'm going down a bit of underwear. Well, only you would think that. Um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I'm, what I was trying to say was like th- academia, they, they, they sort of, they have their way. That's the way that it's going. And, and if you think about it, like the school system hasn't really changed a great deal since kids were getting sent out to go Forever. to work, to work in a factory. It's set up that the kids that can't do mass English science end up working in a factory 
or end up going yeah. to work in a kitchen. And the kids that do well go into academia. And it's almost a bit like politics. Like they, 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 it keeps to itself. If, if you're good at these three subjects, you, you, you do well. If you don't, you just go and do a manual labor job, which at the time, I think it was around about the industrial age that this, this school system came in with the, the cane and the kids that couldn't do their timetable and stuff. And that made them more fucked. Yeah. But that would have made you a more, a more obedient employee, wouldn't it? Because you listen, you listen to the guy at the front of the room that's telling you what to do in sort of a way that the military does. I, I just think that if, I mean, I, I know schools are becoming more progressive. They definitely are. Like you, there's there's all sorts of things that Georgie does now at school that even it doesn't even seem that long ago that I was there. Yeah. I think that in some ways they're they're cotton balled with certain stuff. Like there are kids at Georgie's school that um, that will have a card. If they hold the card up, they're allowed to walk out of the lesson. And I think that in some ways that's te- that's not teaching them the co- the correct. Yeah. Like like if you're if you've got a job. You can't just go, fuck this, I'm walking out. Because then you don't get paid. And at the end of the day, you've got to get paid. Because if you want to have a roof over your head, you need to get paid. And that kid that's, I mean, that kid that's holding the card up, if they're being taught something that maybe you guys at Inner Armour come up with in the same way that you're coming up with the stuff for the military, and etc., that they, maybe they've got a, a different way of coping with it other than just walking out of a situation that makes them feel, well... And, and the kids at the end of the day, like if I had a card to walk out of every, I don't know, RE lesson that I was in, I was like, yeah. this is bollocks. I'm going to hold it up and, and walk out. But yeah. at the end of the day, I learned quite a lot from, from RE. Yeah. About, about uh, other cultures. And I went to a Christian school and I l- literally learned a hell of a lot about those cultures. And if I, I learned every- how to lock her in the cupboard and then go to town. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, sure, Sean was not quite as academic as I was, should we say. He, nowadays, he'd probably, he'd probably be the kid with the card. But, um, no, yeah. I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think um, yeah. what, what I was saying, though, Al, is like, do, I, I feel like if kids, rather than being given a card, just been given, yeah. like, just give them some, like, let's be honest. At no point in my life have I ever been given any sort of t- like any teaching, any guidance on if you're feeling a bit shit, mate. Think about this. Like it's not happened, not at all. And the only way you get that information at the moment is if you go into therapy or you go and see your doctor and he gives you some tablets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's and like I, I know Sean's had many a conversation with his doctor and. If you need the tablets, you need the tablets. But there's plenty of people out there, I think, that if they'd started from a younger age, the medication would probably be taken away. Like, it wouldn't even be a factor because they'd know, they'd know, oh, shit, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. And they've, yeah. got, they've got the baseline to pot- potentially, like, it's not, it's not going to work for every single person. But potentially, then they've got the they've got the the foundation to maybe come to that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I think it was somebody on your podcast, Sean. When you when you talk about the negative one, the one, and the zero, as long as you're somewhere near that zero, you can 
you can do stuff. If you go to the negative, then, then you're fucked and you're going to get into a spiral of depression, a spiral of anxiety, name, name the, the mental health issue. Hmm. If, you can st- if you've got the, the tools there in your back belt, like Sean said earlier, from the age of 11, maybe, then you, you don't get to that minus one. You, you, you might get to almost there, but you, you're able to pull yourself back, maybe. I don't know. It's just an idea I had when you were, when you were talking. I was just thinking maybe... Just, it, a, just a quick one on that, while you were saying about uh, tablets and talking to doctors and, and what have you. Since doing the inner armor training, I haven't touched my antidepressants. When was that? Uh, October? No way. So I've been completely off. I had a few um, few side effects of coming off them. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> which was always going to happen. But yeah, as much as um, I shouldn't have done it the way I did it, where I just thought, no. I'm done. I'm not taking them when I probably should have weaned myself off a little bit. Um, but yeah, since, since the inner armor coaching, I haven't, I haven't had my, uh, antidepressants. So since October, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it? good, um, it? it's a good segue into it. Like, so, so you, you're off your antidepressants and you've given up drinking for six months and like making that happen. Um, Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, fill it, just, yeah, fill us in. Because we talked about it a lot on your podcast, didn't we? We kind of did the part one, part two, and, like, that was quite soon after, I think. That was, like, two weeks afterwards. Um, yeah. But you mentioned post-traumatic growth, and, like, you know, it's very much a personal interest when someone starts getting interested in kind of the academia behind it, like, um, and the kind of the science behind it a little bit. I think it's really cool. So, um, yeah. What's it? Yeah. What's it been? Tell me all, little Tommy. <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> what's it been? Yeah, what's it been? What's it been like? What's that? You know, how did you get to kind of giving up um, um, and antidepressant coming off the antidepressants and looking good? I have to say, I know like people listening won't be able to see it, but he looks good. He looks, he looks good. He looks trim. He's, he's got a co- some quite facial I, hair. I feel, hair. I feel like clear. If that, if that. If that's a good descriptive word. Um, before I felt like every day I had to go and, and pick up a pill, take it, and then I knew that I'd be all right. Where now I feel that if I do have a little slip, like we mentioned on the last podcast I did with Darren, um, a certain person who is not going to get mentioned on this podcast, um, giving me a bit of shit. Um, Previously, um, I would have gone down into a quite a, a nasty spiral, which I think I mentioned to both yourself and Darren that Mrs. Tomo actually did that. She thought I was going to go down, so she went down, but I was all right. I was quite happy. I was, well, not happy. I was pissed off and angry at this fucking dickhead. But yeah. instead of wallowing in, in self-pity and all these negative thoughts that normally come in, I was quite calm and, and collective. Yes, I had a bit of a, a response first, but I wasn't I wasn't down, I wasn't upset. Was it I was I was more like baffled by him. I think I used the term bamboozled last time. 
at the fact that he's taken out of his day to try and bring me down, which is just ridiculous. And it just shows quite a lot of um, how a lot of the serving members are very blinkered and blind to mental health issues. And like I meant, like I said to you, Al, in the, in the text, I was like, using the, the, the techniques that you taught me and, and holding on to the positive things within, within my life, whether it's my girls, the missus, I've got a decent job, I've got a podcast that's becoming a bit more successful. I've got all these little rays of light that I can put together and go, oh, by the way, you've still got that, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just having all that and after the after the how powerful the actual coaching was for me personally and the journey I went through which I sent out every day I sent Darren the uh the lego things I was like look at my fucking lego he's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. He sent him a picture of the lego he's like what the fuck is that that's my lego do you not know what it is um yeah he said have it having having that almost like a like a breakthrough and a and a huge piece of clarity in my mind i was i i don't need these little white pills anymore wow. i've got my bat belt is getting nicely aligned <laughs> with all my bat tools i've got one diploma in life coaching one diploma in uh depression awareness i've now got yeah. your armor yeah. coaching certificate yeah. wherever that is just waiting um i know i know got that yeah. now so all these things and then and then it just seems to all have aligned like i put a post out the other day like everyone's moaning about 2020 it's been fucking awesome for me <laughs> that, 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 that is that is so like yeah, like hearing, dude, like that's the best paycheck ever, like dear, something like that. I'm so, I'm genuinely pleased for you. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, how and how much does it prove the kind of what we're saying and the hypothesis slash idea slash do something, you know? Like, and this is basic stuff, you know? Like, I think um, we get a lot of criticism, we get a lot of um, talking about trolls and aggressive stuff, like, you get a huge amount of trolls and aggressive. DMs about you know you're devaluing psychology and you know who do you think you are you're not even a doctor like you've just got a master's degree and blah 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 and I'm like put on a bulletproof vest do a shift and then we'll talk you know um and like I'm really not like I'm not the cleverest and I'm not the brightest and I haven't done a huge amount of research um but it doesn't need it it doesn't and Dan this is what you're saying and I think you're so right is like and well, I, particularly what I like about Christian as a kind of professor, like he's a professor, you know, like I'm kind of like, oh my God, I didn't even know what the difference was between professor and doctor, um, which I found out quite recently, like, <laughs> which is like professor's a job and doctorate is a qualification. So yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just the, the, the kind of the feeling of stupidity that you like, I'm not a this, so I'm not clever or I'm not a this, I'm not clever. You know, and I think it starts in the playground at age five. I even said it I even said it to my eldest earlier she went yeah. daddy I'm, I'm not enjoying um, maths again because she, she hates maths hates it with a passion she's like daddy I'm not enjoying maths I've got to do division and I just went don't worry about it don't stress yourself over division my teacher told me I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't walk around with a calculator all the time 
It's fucking built into my phone now. So <laughs> in my pocket, in my pocket. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively, I think. Um, and the really true academics who know what they're talking about and who care are the first ones to admit. You know, like you can read all the papers in the world all the books in the world and you can write about all this kind of stuff um but if it's not applied or active or used it's a waste of time you know like people watch game of thrones you know like it was sam who saved it you know he went in and read the book mm -hmm. he's the one who figured out like dragon glass and all that kind of stuff anyone who's not game of thrones be like jesus i remember that everyone was talking about that shut up Al. um but yeah you've got to read about it and so like i kind of went off and i read about it and i found it and kind of was like this is this is gold it's just not available slash digestible and that i don't mean like as in i'm really clever and everyone else is really stupid like it just wasn't it was it was wound into so much academia and so many studies and stuff i was like they're really onto something here this idea of post-traumatic growth and like actually you know if you hit trauma it's up to you then and it's the people around you and how and the the, the conditions around you that you can you're either going to grow from this or not are you prepared to engage with the struggle or are you not you know, are you going to roll over and die or are you going to kind of give this a shot? And if you are going to give this a shot, there's stuff to help and there's stuff, there's tools and ideas and thoughts and techniques and coaching and stuff that can really help. Um, Do you think that and, um, yeah. the pushback you get, though, is from the academics that, um, that I think my my biggest issue with academics is that they have all the knowledge of how something should work apart from the fact that they don't know how to make it work they can teach somebody else how to make it work but they can't do they, and it's not not a case of like those who can't teach or, or whatever the saying is I, what i mean is that if you spend all of your time in a classroom teaching somebody how to do something without having actually done it but how many teachers like have, have produced amazing um, former pupils that have gone on to do like it doesn't matter what it is it, like just tick the box because that's what teachers do but the pushback you get is like who do you think you are blah 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 that that always the the only place that that doesn't really apply to is my former field which is um, training and coaching people it's the only time mm. because even my university teachers are uh, not university college teachers were um, excellent coaches themselves. That's the only way that they could teach you to coach somebody. I mean, a lot of it's your personality and a lot and the major players, the, the, the big trainers in the world have all done what they're teaching you to do in terms of like, academics you get a psychology doctor telling you that you who do you think you are and when it comes down to it it's like like you said you you've been there when these people are going through what they're going through you're doing yeah. the case studies that they then use to teach their their lectures their their classes whatever um so i think the pushback is is from a place that basically you're challenging their authority um, and they don't like it because they've never had to have it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an interesting, um, interesting point. Um, 
Yeah, and, and it and it it's yeah, it isn't black and white. I think there's kind of there are um yeah, kind of people who are doing similar stuff to me and kind of going out and kind of doing it in the field um or kind of making it happen and there's also great academics who kind of get it and be like you know we want to help and we want to kind of help you do that um and i think it comes down to scalability as well i think um i've had lots of conversations about this recently and kind of people um i'm very lucky well, lucky slash it's just awesome i don't know a bit of both maybe but people are kind of grasping this this method of 28 questions as a coaching methodology and going yeah this works like we can clearly see it works now what you know like how are you going to get it across to loads of people how are you going to make that happen and um that's when you kind of get into the world of business and that's a very challenging difficult world and um if it wasn't for um i think like kind of like my kind of two new directors like one being james manktelay who's um a guy who kind of set up a company called mind tools where he kind of his vision was very similar to mine like about giving the general public lots of tools for the mind how can you give them you know like it's like the bat belt extraordinaire anyone anyone who's interested you know you think like my bat belt is one tool you know it's one tool and it's very powerful and we do i think we do it very well uh, but mind tools has got thousands and you kind of subscribe to it and it's pretty cheap and you get you know get all this stuff and get access to this library and he built that and he set it up and a really successful business and um you know we met and he engaged and he's now you know about to become a director and without him like this is just an idea you know and it's just it's who i can get hold of can speak to how many connections i can make um and i want to get it to the point where you know it get the people get if people want the inner and training like they want a session they can get it for free and now you know that might be through an app that might be through communities, it might be through trainers, it might be through whatever. Um, but very much the money's irrelevant. And I think the money's irrelevant because people are dying. And, you know, Sean's example is is fantastic. You know, it got somebody off antidepressants. I mean, like, it was all worth it, you know, the past whole three years of my life for that, for just getting Sean off antidepressants. That like that enough. That that, that fine, you know, like me personally, that's enough of a win for me. Um, but then to kind of have the privilege. Of, of going to different countries and kind of hearing that stop people killing themselves you know and, and little girls dads are still here because of something you did and kind of that's amazing it's like but i've i've now reached the limit of you know what i can do al and kind of having appointed james my business point of view and um a guy called steve watts who's got more degrees than i've ever seen before but he was in charge of pretty much in charge of he'd argue the case but um hampshire police force so very senior police guy, like landed in Australia, um, but he's seen more dead bodies and and solved more murders and done more stuff. And then he went and did um, uh, picking up bodies in Kosovo. I think it was Kosovo, some, something horrible, you know, like he kind of did some war crime stuff and was on the war crime tribunal you know, and helped, you know, with that. And I'm so honored that he's kind of given his time, a lot of it for free, you know, up until quite recently. Um, and that is, those are my star. Those are two two people of my star who I'm kind of like, you know, you're, they fill in my weaknesses and kind of make it help and make it happen. And, um, you know, if if we can get it out there and if, we, and if we get this right, I think potentially a catalyst to change psychology and to kind of, you know, or a, a tiny branch of psychology. And that's, I don't want that to kind of cross as very arrogant or, you know, grandiose. But I, I, don't, I don't think it does. Though. I think it's, 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm always going to second guessing myself. I'm like, oh God, that's terrible. But like, yeah, I think psychology is due for a bit of a rethink um, because it's not accessible, you know, like, and you know, I'll lead by example. I will not go to the doctor. Like, I hate the doctor. You know, I will like, something will be falling off and bleeding and I'm like, okay, maybe I should go. Um, and I think, you know, to go to a psychologist, I mean, how much, who's, who's, who's done that? Unless, unless you really suffered really suffered you know which a lot of people have in military and police and that they've either been referred or made it happen but i reckon most people if you're going to take an average spectrum the idea of going to see a psychologist is terrifying you it know was, you don't, you uh, talk a about very it. strange you don't talk about it in the pub do you mean like oh, i went to go and see my uh, my shrink everyone's like all right see you later bye it was a very strange thing when i went yeah tell us about it sean what was it like and how um, did you feel beforehand like and then going into it I was very apprehensive. Like I sat, as as everybody knows, I turn up early to everything because of my fucking neuroses. So I sat in the car for a good 10, 15 minutes plus, just thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm going to go and chat with a stranger about, I don't, I don't even know what. I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth. And um, I, I, I even put a post up. So I'm, as, as you both know, I'm, I'm currently writing the Granite Zero book. And yeah. this is, a, this is a, bit of a bit of a chapter within it. And um, yeah, so I walked through the door. She was like, take a seat, Mr. Thompson. And it was like, oh, this is fucking very formal. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I sat down and she was like, so basically just, Tell me what what what's it was literally just like one question. What what's the problem? Sort of thing. Yeah. And then I basically <laughs> I, I would I would use a military term, but I don't think you guys would get it. I basically just I'll, I'll use unload instead. I was gonna say e purge, but you guys are being like, what the fuck are you on about? Not I yeah, no. unloaded every fucking thing. And it yeah. literally, it, it, it was a bit like the first episode of the Granite podcast where I word vomited for about an hour. And it wow. was proper Tomo's tangents. I was going through different bits of uh, what me and Darren got up to as, as, as children, how I felt when certain, like, dad went to watch Darren's football matches instead of mine, all that sort of stuff. Little little bits that you sort of gloss over because it's like, well, of course he, of course he would. He was playing in a, in a proper league. I was playing Sunday league, that sort of thing. And, you, and you're going through it all and it's all just coming out. It's all coming out. And, and literally I was in tears for a good 45 of the, of the 60 minutes in there. And she was like, you've got a lot of, a lot of issues going on that is going to take more than one session. So I went back for, for a second and a third. And then I was like, I literally was like, I can't afford this. Yeah. At, at, yeah, yeah I can't yeah. even remember how much it was a session. It was ridiculous. And I was like, I can't afford this. And that's when uh, the barriers and the walls then came back up. And it was back to, no, I'm fine. I've, do, I've, done, mm. I've done therapy now. I'm fine. I'm good now. I think um, in reality... Yeah. I, as we all know, I wasn't. <laughs> I think that's part, part of the problem with um, therapy or, or going to see a psychiatrist, a psychologist, 
is that it is very clinical. Like if I feel like, oh, within the first five minutes of us talking, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass or or anything like that, but within the first, like if you have somebody that's approachable, like, and I get it, you're quite an enthusiastic, energetic person. Not everybody's gonna. Not everybody's gonna be like that. But if you had a psychologist, or he's an annoying extrovert. But if you, <laughs> but, but if you had a psych, Sean, if you'd had a psychologist that had been trained, and I'm not saying that what you're doing is is going into all the psychology, all the psychiatric stuff. What I'm saying is, is if you, Sean, if you're a simple thing that your therapist had just gone to, you're right, Sean. How's it going? Good to see you. When the majority of those people, like I was just saying, are academics that they know how to study a piece of paper, but they don't necessarily know what a fucking human does. And that's the, that. And that goes back to what I was saying before. Like, as a yeah. coach, as a so, coach, I'll, yeah, so, I'll, I'll just I'll just give you a, a quick example here, right? So quite often when I was coaching people, yeah, yeah, sweet. yeah. Um, when I was coaching people, quite often there would be people who would have psychological issues because of their weight or their body image. Now, I, over however many years it was, I became very uh, more with women than with guys. With guys, I always had that sort of bravado, sort of like, come on, just fucking man up. With women, I know, I knew, uh, I'm, and I studied body language for, for on my own, not through courses or anything. I just reading books and stuff um, because it helped my job. But I knew that if a woman that I was training came into the gym, looked slightly different, I needed to mention it. So she'd got a haircut. She had her nails done. She'd done things like that. And that gave me such a strong relationship with so many clients over the years not, not because I'd noticed it, because I told them when they came in, oh, you got your hair cut. That was the first thing that I noticed. And like, like I said, oh, the first thing I noticed about you was that you were like, hey, we're really fucking up for this and blah, blah, blah. And within 10 minutes of this podcast, this podcast starting, I told you something that I think I've told about five people. And I've now put it out on the internet about like the first the first time i you know experienced pro probably experienced trauma i think I, I i had some child issues my dad going away quite a lot but that was the first time i remember being and i can imagine sure as somebody that hasn't gone to therapy that if i was sat down in a very and i'm sure it was a very clinical room as well with everything very very tidy and it was like okay mr thompson yeah it was literally I'd be like that. Well, I'm not really room that. with a with a sofa. So the stereotypical. I think I opened up the way I did. Yeah, I think the way I the reason why I opened up the way I did was because. Why I was feeling as shit as I was. Now, fast forward to the therapy. And the walls coming back up before Granite Zero. Well, no, after Granite Zero started, and then going through the inner arm 
asked me two questions during the coaching. And and as I I quote, he opened me up like a packet of crisps. Mm-hmm. Because I was relating <laughs> to how how easy it was to get on. Me, bear in mind, I think we sp- me and Al spoke once and did the coaching. And I was that comfortable and and as Al actually discovered in the fact that I'm actually quite shy, do put on a bravado from time to time where I'm a bit more loud and boisterous. But I do take time to think about my answers and, and what have you and discover that I'm actually quite introverted, which I was quite shocked at. But anyway, um, but yeah. It, it's incredible how easy it was aspects of why I'm depressed, why I've got this, why I've got that. The PTSD aside from, from that sort of trauma, the, the actual depression side of it, the lack of pride, the lack of self-belief, the lack of self-worth that I had, I didn't stand until I started going through the coaching. I would never have known that back going through the normal style therapy, inverted commas. <coughs> Wow. Yeah, mate, that's awesome. It's, um... He's a, he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a easy to talk to, put it that way. And actually, sitting down with with the group that we had in in, and seeing how you was with the whole group as a collective, I think that was just, I think that helps how passionate you are in that with with it. You know what I mean? So, Al, I had yeah, to... Thank you. Yeah. Is he still here or is he? Yeah. Um, so... You hadn't moved for about five minutes, Darren. <laughs> I, I was listening. I was listening. Um, I was... What, oh, I was right. gonna say, what I was going to say was that... Um, so, on Instagram, I had... Um, I, I put up a, a story for people to ask me questions if they wanted to. Um, and I put out, especially if you're struggling with your mental health. Um, I had two, a grand total of two. Uh, there was a, there was about 70 views at the last time I checked, but two, two questions came in. Um, one was if, do, do you have any advice for anybody that suffers with anxiety on a day-to-day basis on how to control it to a certain degree. Um, I think what the person was, I'm not going to mention their names, uh, but I think what the person was trying to say was like, is there any coping strategies that you know of that just the average person, not somebody that's military or anything that's just, they, they suffer with anxiety and they just want to know, like they, they want to be a little bit more free of it. They don't want to be before going to work stressing themselves out to the point that they're they're feeling sick or they're they're losing control of their their breathing or just panicking in general. They were just wondering if there's anything that that you know of that they they could potentially do to stable themselves maybe stable stabilize themselves a little bit 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, loads. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, loads. I think um, on a kind of sliding scale. So you start with super basics. Uh, um, like to me, I think a lot of people do get it. Um, how much water have you drank? Like, it, so stupid you're like and if you don't drink caffeine well fine but if you do you know are you drinking caffeine and like after drinking a lot of caffeine in the morning and then alcohol in the evening because you're spiking you're up and then you're kind of greasing you're down so like you want to talk about stabilizing like that's that that will have a massive impact um i think the understanding that anxiety is future like depression tends to be past or present and then anxiety kind of looks at future you know you're, you're anxious about something kind of coming up in the future um, and so, yeah, top of my head, and there really is loads, but like, I think um, thinking about and taking some time with a pen and paper to go, right, what, what is it that I'm anxious about? Like, is it going into work? I think that's a big one for a lot of people, um, you know, and asking yourself some really tough questions. And I think come out of your own head, there's a really kind of cool saying, like, um, use a lot of saying, you know, don't go into your head without adult supervision. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Pull it out with a friend, like sit around with your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or whoever, like, you know, like sit down and, and with, do it with a piece of paper. Don't, don't just talk about it and that, you know, um, write it down and say, right, what is it? Okay. So I'm stressed about, I'm, I'm getting really anxious about work. Every Monday morning, I feel like the dread kind of sitting on my chest. Okay. You know, is it the right job? Ask the big questions. You know, do you hate your job? You yes, I do. Well then leave. Hey, <laughs> I can't do that. I can't because and like, I think, it's said with no criticism. We all do it, me included. You know, you kind of, you sit there and you're like, oh yeah, but I've got, you know, mouths to feed. Well, yeah, but you could apply for another job. You know, you could change that. Or is it that you're trapped and there's something like the anxiety is coming from you're going to lose your mum. You know, your mum's got a terminal illness or somebody's really ill or something sick and there's nothing you can do about that. So the two kind of things are, can you change or fix the problem? And if you can, don't be a wimp and get in there and fix it. You know, like get, roll up your sleeves and be like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kind of not have any alcohol this week. Or I'm not going to have any coffee this week. I'm going to like get myself, my headspace sorted. I'm going to go and fix a problem. If it's not a fixable problem, you've got to manage the emotions. So if you're caring for someone who's going to die or you, you yourself have got cancer or there's something kind of horrible, um, reach out to as many people as you possibly can with different personality types would be my kind of, off the cuff kind of simplistic advice um talk a lot um and it will help and the, and there's this kind of thing we, we talk about kind of internally with um in rama about traction kind of precedes action like it's the traction that you have to do something if you don't do anything you just sit there and think about it you're going to think yourself sick you know like we've all had that where you kind of you worry so much that you get start going you know, and then kind of, then if you do that for six months, you're going to get an ulcer. If you do that for like 12 months, then you're going to start, you know, finding a tumor. Um, there's a, there's no <laughs> exact direct cause to that, but everyone who's listening and kind of common sense says, you know, when you're worried, then you got to go. That's not good for you. You know, like the stress, anxiety stuff, it's, it's really useful in short, tight bursts. And it makes you feel really good. Like when you're being at your best and you know, I'm sure you know this down from like the fitness world and stuff. You know, that's great. You know, put yourself under a bit of pressure and that's kind of fine. Um, but yeah, my kind of, you know, in conclusion to that question, I think 
Um, basics, step one, basics. Are you getting enough sleep? If not, sort it out. Go to the doctors, get some sleep medication, you know, uh, um, night nurse, like whatever it is, you know, if you need something to kickstart your routine and your rhythm, um, get some help, get some, you know, some genuine medical help um, and sort out your sleep. If you can, if you're eating well and you're sleeping well, the world is a different place. Like it's, it's that simple, yeah. you know, like, and if, if you can exercise as well on top of that, give it two weeks and then look at the same problem and you'd be like, well, why was that? Why was that ruining my life? That's nothing. It's ridiculous. Um, and then secondly, have this two pronged approaches. Um, is this a problem I can fix? And if it is, then go for it and fix it. And if it isn't, then start looking at the emotions. You know, this is going to be tough. This is going to be painful. This is going to be difficult. Who can I pick? You know, pick somebody old, somebody young, someone out of the family, someone in the family. So you've built that star. You've built that kind of, those five people around you who can, you can call. So you're not burning any of them, you know, but you're like, all right, I need to talk to John, who is no emotion. He's just pure bounce. You know, he doesn't want to talk about feelings and you know, you're like, right, what should I do? Well, you should get fit because you're fat. (laughs) Fine. Then you got your mate, you got your mate, Lucy, who is the softest, nicest, kindest person ever who you're crying your eyes out. And like you were saying, Darren, you know, and, and there's a woman, you know, and you can kind of be like, right, have you got an hour? Cause I just need to let this out and I'm going to let one down and blah, blah, blah. And you cry, she cries kind of whatever. Then you go make John who's 90. Who's like, well, why have you got a 90 year old friend because i got friends everywhere man so it's so true <laughs> <laughs> it could, um, it could yeah, be yeah, granddad yeah exactly right. and, you know, i'll let you have that one they're all imaginary friends anyway but um but you take my point you know like don't don't just stick to your group of mates in the pub or your group of girls or whoever it is you know look look at look into your circle you know if you're like i'm not a facebook person but like if you're on facebook like who could you talk to that maybe you wouldn't do normally and you'll be amazed. And if you lean into the external and lean into those other people and you're honest with them and you've got the balls to be vulnerable, the courage to be vulnerable, then they will help you. Um, and I think... Um, and not, every, on, not, sorry. Not, not that I know anything. I think listen to those people as well. I think um, that would be my, my message yes. to, the, to the person that asked, asked the question is that if, if, you, if you are a talker, and you do speak to different people is listen to listen to what they're saying because not everybody is saying mm. just fucking man up and just get to work what's the fuck about here some people do give you good advice that just goes over your head um i can give an example of this mm. um of i mean you're i think you're the second person to say this in a week but um, I'm getting a, a lad that I work with on on the show as soon as possible. Um, and he's not into stuff that I'm into. He's into making models and painting things and um, into his Lord of the Rings and all, all stuff like that. But I, um, after a yeah. uh, conversation with my boss, uh, he, he was like, I think he'd be a really good guest. And I was like, oh, fuck off. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I do need to have more diverse people on the podcast. You know, it'd be great to, like, I, I know nothing about painting models. Yeah. So that'd be great. That'd be great. So um, when I went into work the other day, I spoke to another one of my bosses. And I was like, oh, I've got, um, I've got Rich coming on soon. And he was like, yeah, I know. He's told, he's told me. He said, he's, he's so fucking excited now about going on. 
didn't listen. I, that just went over my head. The fact that he was excited about coming on. I was. It was just like, I know that wow. Rich is coming. The, the Rich is coming on. Um, and then uh, a lad that works for for me in the kitchen uh, the same day came up to me. He was like, "Mate, I've been uh, been running the last couple of days, and um, I've had you in my ears, man." He was like, um, "You you talking to this uh, that 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 Erin lady, the the one that trained uh, uh, Henry Carville? She, she's, she's fucking amazing." Went straight over my head. And it, all I heard was that he'd listened to the podcast. They were. Um, very good podcast. Yeah, any, anything with Michael or Erin um, on is is going to be a fantastic podcast. Um, they're they're two incredible people. Um, two very very different. Even quicker. Thought I was fucking Superman, didn't I? <laughs> like, oh, you will though. Have you? Um, <laughs> listen to the one with Michael as well. But um, what I mean. What I was trying to say was that I, I got praised like for just before you joined, Sean. Fuck me, my internet is unstable, so I don't know if this is breaking up or not. But um, before you came on, I was like, "Oh, this has been in the works right. for eight. This has been in the works for ages. Um, this is this is like actually meeting a celebrity. I've spoke about you this much, and I was just, like straight over my over the top of my head, and." For for like Richard and Troy, the guys that spoke to me, they they would get they indirect well not in, they were directly giving me praise for something that I was doing, yeah. and I think I I do think that I'm actually quite an anxious person. I think lockdown to, um, sort of showed me that that there was like anxiety about going back to work, about being around people, um, but I do think that that is possibly a a trait that people with anxiety do suffer from is when people are telling them positive stuff to do that will help them. They don't listen to the positive words. Yeah. I've had it all day, mate, with Zero Alpha, the long-haired colonel. Right. See, she's, she's anxious now because obviously uh, my father-in-law's got COVID. Yeah. Um, and he had a bad day yesterday, by yeah. all accounts. Feeling better now, but I had a really shit day yesterday. Mm-hmm. So in, in uh, her mind, we've all got it. So right. it's like, well, the kids, the kids can't go to school. I, I can't go to work. I, the girls can't go to gymnastics. It's like, whoa, we haven't got it. We're not in direct contact with your dad. Mm-hmm. Chill, chill. And uh, obviously saying things like chill doesn't work. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> of course it doesn't. <laughs> And, and the amount of times that I've said, and as I, I said to her, I went, look, you've got to try and, this is a stupid comment as well, you have to try and think logically. And her response was, I can't think logically at the minute. It's like, yeah, I get that. Stop worrying about things out of your control then. Yes. It's like worrying about whether it's going to rain tomorrow. It's not in your control. Don't worry about it. I mean, I, I think but, you know, as well, that's not... To then process that. That's not that's not the person's fault though, is it? That's that's just how they feel. No, no. And, and if they no, if, no. if they suffer with anxiety, then you can say until you, until you yeah, shit your pants. Yeah, like I'll... think think about it. Think <laughs> about it. Think about it. And they're like, I am thinking about. It. That's all I'm doing is fucking thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. The more yeah. I th- the more I think about it, the worse I'm fucking getting. 
But um, yeah, I think I think that would, is some of the best advice I've ever actually heard. Is talk to a lot of people, because I think a, a lot of the time with something like anxiety or depression is that you 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 almost like get get your sniper sight out and you target one or two people and that they are the focus for you because they make you feel the most safe in your head when in reality yeah. you're you're causing them the anxiety as well because they they're like it doesn't matter what i say you you're not helping like i'm not helping you therefore yeah, i'm yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. now i'm now becoming worse in myself because i feel like i'm letting my friend down and therefore i can't help you anymore whereas if you ask four five six people yep and it doesn't have to be the same question you can you you, you can ask the same question in a different way but or not yep. even question you can make the same statement like if if you were talking to me it could be a simple thing of darren i feel like shit and i'd be like what's up but if I sent that same message to my mum, for example, my mum would be like, oh, what's the matter, my boy? Um, you're working too much. You're doing this too much. So that's, that's not, I'm not necessarily, she's either feeding my anxiety. <laughs> that's exactly what she would say. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but do you oh, know what I mean? What's up, my boy? But what I mean is that's, that's either feeding the anxiety or that's just making you feel better that your mum's talking to you. Um, I think you you can let people around you know how you're feeling by talking to them in the way that you would normally talk to them i don't know if that makes sense yes. like 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 i said like you could text any anybody even if i don't know you if you're listening send me a message on um instagram facebook twitter whatever just saying darren i feel like shit and you'll get what's going on and I'm quite open for people to just blurt out in large paragraphs how they're feeling. Not that that's what I I do for a living, but I'm just saying that you know I'm I'm the I'm the type of person that would be there for people. Whereas, like you said, you might need 90 year old. I can't even remember what name you gave him, but we'll call him Joe. <laughs> might have yeah, 90, yeah. Joe. 90, 90 year old Joe might turn around and say, "Listen." Listen, Mucker, I've been through the war. It ain't that bad. And then and, that, and I might snap you out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like some somebody's response might be the response you need, I think is 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 what I'm saying. And I think that was the the what I took from what you were saying anyway, Al. Is that Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um sorry, there, sorry, there was another another I really hope. They love that answer to that question because that took an hour. <laughs> I, th I think it would have been quicker if the internet connection my end was better because it, it, it did seem to just, like you two froze for ages, then I had blank sc screens. Um, there was another question, and this is quite a deep one, is do you have it? Oh, okay. And this is quite a deep one, and this is not a made-up question. This is a genuine question. If you have a friend that is struggling potentially to the point that they are thinking or have attempted to take their life. How can you help them? 
Wow. You know what's so like almost borderline embarrassing about that question is like that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is never a set answer. Um and I think my my stock answer is cool, no no no. Yep. Don't fuck about. Like is what I say. Like I would say, like, don't don't think you can handle that. Um which kind of goes against what I'm kind of saying, but like I'll I'll explain, I'll kind of expand. Yeah, if someone if someone is if you if you think someone's gonna do it, it doesn't matter if it's not true, right? Like it doesn't matter if like you know they've had to one too many and kind of whatever, but like if you think they're gonna do it, cool. Like mm-hmm. um I have spent time like very recently in Essex Police's nine 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 control room. Um and talking to them about it and kind of whatever, and they will listen to you and help you and will spend their lives listening to you and nobody takes their life. That's a good day. You mm-hmm. send a helicopter, you send an ambulance, you send an armed response unit, costs thousands of pounds to the taxpayer. So what? If someone doesn't kill themselves, it's worth it. Um, exactly. So I think, yeah, before we get into the psychology stuff, like call 999, if you're, if you're unsure, like get in there and kind of, so secondly, from a kind of Inrama point of view and a psychology point of view, um, I'm going to, again, I'm going to kind of distill this down a little bit, but like it's um, find the light in the dark, find what they love and what they care about the most and talk about it. So there's a method, there's a part method in, um, excuse me, in the 28 question process of um, what's called the perfect day. Um, and it's annoyingly simple when you take somebody through their perfect day if seven in the morning, that what's the weather like outside? you know, who they're with, what country they're in, what's their favorite breakfast. And you've got to, you've got to work at it. At first you get, um, you know, I don't know, I wake up and get ready for work. You're like, well, hang on. Do you? It's your, it's your perfect day. You go to work. And sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Perfect breakfast. Oh, I don't know. McDonald's. Yeah, whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what would your, your last breakfast be? This was it. Oh, well, I'd, I'd have, you know, American pancakes and cream and, you know, or whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Go into detail about the good. I think um, even if you're not talking about the actual problem, and you know, I hope statistics is going to is going to prove me wrong, and some people listening to this will find themselves in a situation which is a tragedy. But if you find yourself with someone who is having those kind of feelings, or it's really bad, try and find the good. What's you know, what's the good stuff going on for them right now, and start with their breathing. You know, and let, let's start from there. You know, you're breathing, it's all good. Yeah, but my life is shit. I've let everyone down, kind of, whatever. Okay, we'll talk about it. You know, when you were little, what did you love doing? What did you, what cartoon did you watch? What's your favorite food? What's, you know, and just aggressively pursue the positive. Um, It's not being optimistic um, because it's a crap situation. And I think there's a lot, a bit like you were saying, Darren, like when somebody kind of, you know, has has a sounding board to say it as it is, that's very helpful too. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably my answer is 50% give them the sounding board to kind of say what they want to say. So without trying to cheer them up, you know, so like my life is shit. And um, the sentence you use for that, that we use a lot um, is it sounds like, it sounds like you're saying, hmm, it sounds like you're saying that your life is shit. Yeah, yeah, I really am actually like it's horrendous. It's kind of whatever she's left me and you know, it, it, I don't know what to do myself. It sounds like you're saying that, you know, this one was a really big deal to you. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was, she was. Yeah, you understand me, mate, you're my brother, whatever. I'm like, I've asked you two questions. 
Like Tomo's just said it, you know, like that, that's it. Like it's, um, yes, I am. And yes, I'm not going to leave you. And yes, I care. Um, but it is, it's that, it sounds like, it sounds like you're saying, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it's half looking at the time here. Like, but it brings me on to the kind of final bit. So like I said, I was going to talk about ghost psychology. Now, so Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just been the hour and a half. We got this. And, um, yeah, no, no, it just, it's, it's been really interesting and kind of, you know, we've gone off other place, but it's, um, so loads of people kind of say like, are you writing a book? And I'm like, no, because I'm busy and I'm doing this and kind of whatever. Um, and more and more and more in more countries, people are saying, look, you know, is there something we can read about inner armor? Or is there some, something we can kind of digest that isn't academic necessarily, but like has stuff that's backed in science but there isn't a toolkit. Like I don't want a toolkit. You know, that's what I go to the course for. Like just some stories I can read and some things I can kind of, like what you've just asked me, those questions, literally that, that kind of thing. Um, and have decided, we, we have decided, I have decided to do it. And um, we're going to call uh, the book Ghost Psychology. And the definition of ghost psychology, which is a new thing, as far as I'm aware, is to have, I'm going to read this properly, make sure I get this right, right? Enough knowledge of psychology to help apply or engage with another who is in dress, being self-destructive or in the dark. Um, and the plan is to kind of talk about the idea of there's, there's power in the dark. Like actually we kind of, this wellness mover in, this idea of being comfortable and happy and positive, which is really ironic, being a positive psychologist. Um, is maybe that's not what we should be looking for. And actually, you know, I remember talking to Sean about the sky at night in Afghanistan, Afghanistan or Iraq, Sean? Both. Yeah, both, both but it was uh, the story is from Iraq, but yeah, it was both. Yeah, and like, you know, who gets like, I mean, to a little child, you're close to where Jesus was born. Never thought like, of it like that. Yeah, and I, after we finished, <laughs> I've seen my, you know, with all the Christmas, I saw him one of those, you know, the Christmas thing with like the three camels and stuff, and mm -hmm. I was like, hmm. Like who goes, and you know, I was thinking about how sad it is that, you know, Jerusalem is supposed to be like this amazing place and it's been the most like fought over and contested city, you know, potentially in humankind, which is, you know, really sad, but like, but yeah, you know, you saw as close to that picture postcard as many will ever get to see, you know, I'm, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Um, you know, but finding that, finding that bright in the dark and stuff. And so, you know, I think maybe we need to be a bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like you said, Darren, like this has turned out to be the best summing up. Like I didn't even plan like this way. Like this is really good. Um, it's because I'm but, um, with the kids stuff, you know. Go on. I was because I'm a good host. I, you're, I mate, you're an amazing host. You <laughs> nice little summer, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm only joking. Um, yeah. And so this idea of kind of if you've got if you if you're optimistic and you're patient, then. You know, I think it's Gary Vee that said it. Like, if you're optimistic and patient, you're off to the races. If you can maintain that positivity and you can wait, um, and you can be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you're going to be fine. You know, like you're going to be okay. Like, because that's what life is. You know, you're going to get hit hard. Sometimes not so hard, but often hard. You know, and you can either kind of moan about that and cry about that and kind of whatever, or you can start putting effort and energy into kind of doing something about that. Um. And yeah, I kind of the plan is to kind of split the book into two kind of bits, one of kind of obstacles and like the common listening to so many hundreds, nearly thousands, I say, like of stories of people, the toughest people in the world, way tougher than I am and way braver than I am. 
and there's a couple of key obstacles you know which are divorce relationships loneliness hopelessness feeling incompetent at your job isolation toxic masculinity shame addiction parents and families um and those are the ones we're kind of the, we're working on at the moment um and this isn't gospel by the way this is just some this is just raw ideas we've got floating around and i think from that come vices um and I think there's a difference. I think kind of, we, you know, what's the problem? I think you were saying, Sean, you know, like tell me about the problem. Well, the problem's complicated because there's an underlying cause that often is covered by vice. So people will say, I've got a drinking problem. Okay, why? Well, because I'm lonely. So, well, you've let's just not talk problem. about drinking problem. Yeah, you've got a lonely problem. Like, <laughs> so fix it. Yeah. Go on a dating site or meet some people or do something. Let's talk about that. I'll coach you on that. You know, don't don't coach me on having one less beer or, you know, kind of whatever. And yeah, I think the co most common vices, and I'm interested in your guys' opinion, in mil military in particular, but military and police, um, we found our alcohol, prostitution, porn, sex and dating, self-harm, projecting abuse, so kind of abusing other people when mm -hmm. they haven't done anything but you're human, um, abusing others, drugs, caffeine, banter, or negative banter, and shaming. Um, above. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, guys? yeah, 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 definitely. Mi military wise, uh, speaking Mi from experience, yeah, definitely. Um, and and I think even even to the extent Darren will probably agree with quite a few of those from personal experiences with the old man. Yeah. Mm. Um, I also, I mean, I think those apply to any height, really. <laughs> no, but I, I wouldn't say everyone, but I'd say any high stress any high job. stress level job. Yeah, definitely. Mm. The um, the amount of uh, speaking from experience now, uh, the amount of married men within the military that then went onto dating sites just to get a buzz or a fix is shockingly high, shall we say? I'm really, I'm really interested in that because like, I think that's something that nobody's talking about. And I think it's, and I also think it's not the women's fault. It's not the wife's no, fault. No. I, I don't think, I don't you think know? so. No, no, I think, I think you'll it's find that I, I'll just say from outsiders, from an outsider's point of view, um, if you have been sent to Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, places like that, I think it does affect your adrenal system. And I do think that, I mean, how, how many ex I can count, I could literally list you, one of them is a guest on, on the show, that they become adrenaline drunk junkies and they do extreme sports. They do, um, they, do they, they ride mo motorbikes, they, they, they drive fast cars, they, um, they do stuff like CrossFit because it, it satisfies that need for something that they've experienced possibly haven't pro this is just fucking oh, i'm just fucking clutching at straws here they're cl they're they're, they're trying no, no, to you're you're spot on mate and, and you'll find they're trying to yeah, grab they're, 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 that experience, experience of like and this this is what made me laugh sean about um the unnamed subject that was messaging you that apparently had done tours himself I don't think it matters if you're in a an office in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, 
Serbia, any any of the places that you could list over the last 20 years, still, <laughs> you're still away from your comfort zone. You still don't know if you're going to get fucking smashed oh, to yeah. pieces at, at, any, at any point. Like, regardless of whether you're in an office or if you're walking around with a mortar attached to you, you st- you're still in a high state of awareness. We can extend that. It doesn't matter if you're if you're going to a call. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, another example of this. So the other day, so we've extended our restaurant. The other day, I was turning the lights off. I'm, I'm a manager at the restaurant, so um, the the other staff didn't know how to turn the lights off in the new bit of the restaurant. So I was like, I know how to do that. So I went in, turned all the lights off that I thought I needed to do, and then there was this little box next to. Um, next to all the spirits and stuff so i was like press the box press the press the first button second button third button all the lights didn't go off in the end i was like oh fuck it do you know what i mean i'm clearly not getting these lights off went out to the front next thing three squad cars turned up and i'd apparently activated the panic alarm Right, so those police officers don't know <laughs> but but they don't know that the beefy <laughs> That the beefy boys no, they don't. They, they've, is, they've... is getting held up, like as far as they know, that they have to turn up. So, if you do that, yeah. like for example, Sean, you did, I think three six month tours or somewhere in the region of that. Okay, you do that. You do that over four four years. Your entire system is used to that feeling. That feeling, that feeling, that feeling. So that feeling might manifest itself in what in one of many ways, but it might be that you you ride a fast a fast motorcycle, you um you start taking up skydiving, you start bungee jumping, you start I don't know cutting yourself. You you know what I mean? That there's there's a load of yeah. A, point onto that, mate. As you, as you're saying, how much of a nightmare was I when I used to go out on the piss? Oh yeah, fucking terrible. I. Literally, because I wanted, I wanted to fight the world. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't give a crap if he was the size of you. Al. I'd be like, right, fuck it. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a pop of that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, it's, it's gonna... And and in, in my head, it was just, just because I didn't, I didn't know at the time that. In fact, it's probably just a light bulb moment now. Thinking about in having um, chewing the fat ear. Um, I, in my head, I wasn't going right. I need to get a fucking adrenaline fix. It was just something that, subconsciously, I was like, "Well, I'm feeling a bit fucking. I need a bit of excitement. Let's go I mean, pick I on mean, the biggest guy in the fucking room." But it might not have been that though. It might have just have been that your body was was. I, I don't know. The only way I can think that it might correlate is somebody that is addicted to a drug. When the drug starts to come out of their system, they look for the next thing, and perhaps yeah. And you can you could quote from um, as bad of a movie as it is, but the Hurt Locker, the beginning of the Hurt Locker. It, it, it oh, I'll, I'll I'll look it up, but it, it, it says something like the rush and the adrenaline from war is so and so and so and so because war is mm. a drug. Right. I'll, I'll yeah. find the proper quote in a second. I'll, I'll, I'll Google that shit. But, but that, I suppose yeah. that would make sense, it's... and it would make sense in any emergency service. Like, um, 
a friend of mine, I won't name it. Yeah, any, any emergency service. But a, a friend of mine, I won't name because I, don't, I haven't asked him to t- tell this story, but he's, he's a paramedic and he is an um, auxiliary fire officer. But he prefers going to the fires because he gets more, of it, he gets more out of it. It's either yeah. that, either that, or the, um, or the really bad paramedic stuff he has to go and do, because he feels like he's doing something. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. Like, well, if I it, think there's. Tom, sorry. All I was gonna say, if that makes sense, it's like he feels like he's so, actually doing. If he goes and helps a fat guy that's fallen out of bed, he gets nothing out of it. But if he, if someone's about to mm-hmm. lose their leg and he helps them, or he saves a, a three-year-old out of a burning building. He's like, yeah, I've done it. I've done it. The mundane stuff of his day-to-day Completely paramedic man. job. Like, yeah. Like, like Nessa's fallen over again. Fuck's sake, we're going to have to go and put a hip back in. Brilliant. Like, yeah, like, so, oh, fuck. But it's, I mean, like, it, and it's, it's literally round full circle. Is, okay, what, what is it they love? It's the intense positive. Yeah. And I think we we haven't we haven't quite got the language yet for that. Um, in that, okay, you can't say I went to war or I went and you know I saved a burning child, but the father burnt to death, and it was a good thing. You you can't you just can't say that because yeah. the negative outweighs the positive so much. Yeah, it's try. It, yeah, even, even I'm trying to make this like spot on. It's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing to say. That's that's awful. Dad died. But the girl survived. And if you hadn't have helped her or you hadn't have been in that building, the girl would also be dead. Um, there's a great guy to Google, um, a professor who's really on this called Lawrence Allison, who's written a lot about um, making the, the least worst decision. And the guy, he came to watch Tomo do his, do his thing, interestingly. Um, some fantastic books. And sometimes you don't have a choice between good and bad. You know, like, you know, and I think military have that a lot. You know, you're gonna have to shoot that woman with a baby because she may have a mortar in there or she may have an ID in there or she may have yep. that whatever, you know, or if you don't and she kills all five of you, that's a shit decision that you're not, there's no way around that. Um, and actually maybe if we could find a kind of, if we could find that sweet spot of ethical, realistic, sensible positivity in darkness, I think we'd all be a lot, more at peace um and kind of there is good there is beauty in the night sky in iraq there, there is, is good people who'll <laughs> help people. yeah you know who'll who'll will inform against isis there are good people who and if you look for them you'll find them you know yeah. but if you get consumed by the demon and you look in the dark and you can't see the lights then there's a lot of bad people too and you'll find them or they'll find you um, and I think that's that's what's driving me to write this book and not driving me to kind of push this idea to start talking about this, idea, this go- everything we talked about, ghosts, like, be that ghost, be that ghost for your friend, send five ghosts, five people who are always with you, you know, it's almost kind of quite angelic, I think is maybe the end of the end of the um, piece of literature, you know, it's kind of saying, look, be there for someone when you can't and through apps and digital communication, you can be. I've just thought of a, a perfect analogy for it. Go on. Be Force Ghost Yoda or Force Ghost Obi Wan. <laughs> love it. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so, 
So that quote, by the way, was the rush of battle is often a potent and lethal addiction for war is a drug. Wow. Wow. I was I was just thinking. Go on, sorry. I was just thinking as well. Like I th- I think it's quite hard for people to um, like regard like Sean. I don't I don't know your thoughts on this because I've never actually said it to you before. But I think some people actually like being at war or they like being in high trauma situations. Yep. I think. Yep. As much as, like, like I said, the rush, rush of doing it may be a um, like a byproduct. Like afterwards, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did that. I, I helped that person. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that there are some people who genuinely would quite happily spend most of their time in a war zone, in that mm-hmm. high high pressure situation who would quite happily every call that they got they were going to a they were going to Grenfell or they were going to an Ariana Grande concert that just had a suicide bomber and they were trying to fix everybody um Mm -hmm. and I I personally wonder the psychology of that that is interesting to me Mm -hmm. because like I I I know many people who are career soldiers, career police officers. Like I know loads of people, and most of them, the, the most depressed they get is when they get promoted and they have to do the the paperwork and they have to do mm-hmm. training the next guy to do what they used to do. Um, that that's that, like I know I'm segueing away from your book again here. But for oh, me, no. that, that, that that's quite fucking. Not even real yet. What are you? What are you eating? Ice cream. Yeah, it's beautiful. No chocolate is there. Chocolate. Always dessert. gonna have some chocolate. I don't do that a lot either. Like I just need some chocolate. I was like, mm. um, <laughs> as you do. Um, anyway, yeah, no, back to um, yeah, no, I, the the that um, that is a question I think for the clinical. I think um, I have huge respect for clinical psychologists um, and they understand and it takes a long time to kind of qualify and figure that out and understand that. But from loads of friends that I've got, kind of that to me, like the common trend and the common kind of theme in that is they're playing something out. So if you grew up in a war zone in your front room and your dad beat the shit out of your mum, that's what you know. And that's what's comfortable. I mean, it's nice and, and you know it's wrong, but it's comfortable and it's familiar. You know, that, that, um, that glass of Jack Daniels is comfortable and familiar. Should you be drinking it? Probably not. Is it good for you? Definitely not. Could you get addicted? Maybe. But that's what you drink because that's what you know and that's how it works. And so if you kind of, you take men who, and there's a massive conversation here about, um, a couple of weeks ago, did a, did a talk for Hampshire Police Men's Day, like International Men's Day, which I think is really cool. I think it's it's good that um, men are kind of coming back back up to um, the spotlight almost. I think it's really great. We've had this wave of neo-feminism, which is fantastic. 
and needed you know and kind of you know there's a lot of women's groups and that's there's a lot of kind of stuff like that and but men are beginning to talk about this kind of stuff and it's important because if you know like i'm sure you guys know you know people many 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 men i think join and women too but you know for this conversation we don't want men um join the military from a nightmare home you know they're escaping they're like i want out and i want i want brotherhood and i want sisterhood and i want security and i want kind of whatever um and then they land in syria or iraq and they find home this time they're in charge this time they're in control yeah. this time they can do something about it. this time they can make it better so there's a bit of the competence and you're doing something i think there's a bit of the primeval man in us we all we, we were bred <laughs> to fight to the other f four letter word mm-hmm. um to forage to have kids to provide now modern society doesn't really hit any of them not really you know like you get a job and you go to work and get paid it's not kind of whatever but that that tribal thing if you're kind of out there and you're like you're doing a good thing and it feels good and you're kind of helping so my my best guess and it really is a guess and it's not informed by um studies or anything like that would be that i think the military provides a theater where you can play out and deal with your nightmares but in control i don't know i don't know i'm interested how that resonates with you guys because like i don't know you know i haven't been i'm going to get some experience in like in war zones and in syria i think in 2021 and i'm terrified um but I think it's time and I'm interested in that part. But yeah, I don't know. Does that sound like absolute bullshit to you? <laughs> what do you no, think? No. Um, in terms of your like average soldier, you'd probably find that. You tend to find that they they sign up at a young age. Like I think quite a few of the lads that I went through training with, we were aged between 16 and 20. Yeah. So the, there was like a, a couple that were a, a bit older, but not many. So like 16 years old, leaving the house, most of them leaving for whatever reason, because they're not happy at home or, or whatever time for some adventure. Yeah. And you tend to find um, through experience now, those that do come from broken homes. And like you said, go and find their homes in war zones and really embrace the military life, the, the rules, but also have that firepower to fight back. You tend to find those are the ones that end up as elite soldiers, as in special forces. You tend to find most of those are lads from broken homes. Yeah. Or have Um, underlying issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The kind of, I haven't done any work with UK special forces as such, um, but have, we have done several sessions with US special forces um, and that, that chimes massively and I can't betray any confidences and all that kind of stuff, but like it, that is spot on, you know, it's like they are more in need of love and more in need of the good stuff and more in need of a decent beer and a wholesome chat than, you know, and, and how ironic that those are the people we send into the toughest of the tough hell holes for queen and country. Well, (laughs) president and country, you know, Um, and that's, that just to me is so wrong. You know, like teach these these broken guys like how to do it, and then hate that. You know, like we're not broken, we're badass. Yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are. At what cost? You know, like what what's the price for that? What's the price for being the best of the best? 
Um, and is that a price that's worth paying? And that's certainly not a question I can even begin to answer um, and have huge admiration. But, but that's fascinating that you guys have said that as kind of... I've got a quote for you. I'm going to be yeah. clever now. Yeah, yeah, dude, you are clever. Don't fall into the trap. You are clever, man. Proper. <laughs> Very clever. So a William Blake quote, and it was literally as you both were talking and you were talking about elite soldiers, and it doesn't matter where you're from, could be Israeli, could be US, could be Canada, could be uh, UK, could be anything. But this, honest, it's from it's. Um, I first heard it in a film called Dead Man, which is a film okay. with with Johnny Depp in. Um, I only watched. I only watched it because I love Johnny Depp. It's not actually a great film, but it does have a really strong um, message in there. And uh, he goes to basically live with a load of Native Americans after he he's he's going west on the sort of gold rush, and he ends up. Um, I, I don't know if he gets captured, and they sort of take him under their under their wing and but they also injured him quite severely when he first got there and it yeah. eventually, eventually kills him. And the quote is the ancient tradition that the world will be consumed in fire at the end of 6,000 years is true. As I have heard from hell and that's by William Blake. And that was ringing in my ears then. Oh. the whole time you guys were talking about the guys that are coming from a broken home. And then they are essentially repeating the cycle, but yeah. just in a just in a different uniform, different I, I I don't know, different shell. So, like you said, they're they're the comfort. Well, not even comfort. You can't you can't say that even if you grew up and your dad's kicking the shit out of your mum, that you're comfortable in that. But you know it, you know violence, um, yeah. and the fact that you can then go into something that you're, you're trained to control that violence. And I, the only, re I think one of the main reasons is that like Sean and I both know both ex and serving SAS guys. Yeah. And, and they come across so at times so hard to talk to. I've, I've known you for years, but it's, it's fucking hard. But <laughs> if you, if you think about the stuff they've potentially seen over the years, and that's just their SAS and army career or air force or Navy or whatever. And then you go back to what, how the fuck were you able to get through the fucking selection process? You psycho. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, like without, without going too much into it, just to get through basic training in the army or basic training in the RAF or basic training in the Navy um, is hard. There, I'd say, there's a lot of people every six months that get sent home. Simply, oh, loads, mate. Simply, it's not just for you. just just for just for your uh, little story. Uh, we started with sixty-four originals on my course. We passed out with thirteen originals. Thirteen, thirteen of sixty-four. Right now, of those thirteen people, yourself included, how many do you think would get through selection for? Two two SAS. None. So zero. So that's zero out of sixty-four people. So you've got to be a special kind of people, haven't you? To, yeah. Yeah. 
That's including but, myself. I would, I would, I wouldn't even made it past hill phase, mate. But yeah. I, would, I would have put my hand up and went, and I, I would have put my hand up and gone, no, I want to get in my sleeping bag. So, Al, <laughs> so Al, that's, yeah. As much as like I want to get back to ghost psycho, ghost psychology. Also, at the same time, that's also another special thing to sort of think about at some point or maybe have a conversation another time is yeah, yeah. is is the the type of person that goes to that next level and i don't think it's special to armed forces police etc like if i, I i'm i'm literally free balling this it's, these are thoughts that come into my head as as we're talking but so you take the soldier which I would call the elite of soldiering that gets into 2-2 Squadron SAS or the equivalent of the SBS or whatever the American version is. That's a special kind of person that gets there. So they're an amazing soldier. But yeah. you could say you could say the same, like Cristiano Ronaldo was not the best yep. footballer in the world. But something at some point and I'd say psychologically hit him and he just skyrocketed and he became the, the man that he is now. Um, you could say the same for Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay wanted to be a footballer, yeah. hurt his leg, decided to apply the same intensity that he did to his football. He was supposed to, he was supposed to play for Rangers, fucked his leg, ended up, ended up being one of the best chefs, well, well, we'll say the best known chefs in the world. Um, th there's all sorts that you could take from. And I, want, I wonder what the psychology behind that is, because they're, they're, you, you do get dynasties of it to a certain degree, don't you? You get, you get certain families that always do well, but, you know, it's, it's part of that, the fact that the ones that came before you sort of gave you a leg up initially um yeah but you're um you got the major one and he did it in his documentary michael jordan jordan yeah how he had, how he had to force himself how he had to force himself to compete even if there wasn't he'd make things up yeah yeah it's um i mean the, the, again the kind of simplistic answer to me is character strengths i think the psychology of psychological strength um, is is great, and there's a test you can do um, called the VIA Values in Action um, test. So if anyone listening, kind of Google VIA, do I'm it. Do that now. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be you'll be you'll be sure what you get. I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it kind of there's there's VIA a bunch test. of you know yeah v values in action characters so character strength test. Um, yeah, massive amount of research behind it. It's like completely legit. It, it's badass and it's free. And you get your four, I think, character strengths. And the top five are you. That's backwards. And it's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it will describe, you know, and often when you overuse your strength, you get into trouble. When you underuse it, you get into trouble. But when you hit it quite right and you put yourself in the right environment, you will fly. Um, and often we don't have a clue what they are. And we put ourselves unwillingly in the wrong environments with the wrong, and we lavish and struggle and get down and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, 
so it's really helpful so yeah i'm, I'm gonna do that like as soon as go. we finish um so i might be able to find my one so <laughs> carry so, on darren i'm just scrolling and see if i can find mine do do you think in the long term inner armor is going to be accessible to yep. not that it's not accessible now I, I don't know but to the average person that isn't um sort of a frontline worker in some way is it going to be something is it going to be a Massive. course that that yeah massively that dave that works at the toilet paper shop can can just sign up pay his dues and uh, and learn these skills yes um there's uh the plan is to um work on an app so to kind of have an app that can do a video 28 question coaching session for 20 minutes and my kind of promise is that by 2025 all Innerama sessions will be free at the point of delivery like the nhs so you can download the app uh, i need some help now um and by then hopefully we will have trained enough police and military serving and veteran that will make up the thousands of people needed to execute those sessions um and i don't quite know how like the full structure that's going to work and how it's going to happen but like that's what we're aiming for is to try and get it for free and get it get it needs a session if they're standing on a bridge and they kill myself down within three clicks you're talking to some of the toughest people in the world you know so police or military and they're talking you off the edge and they're using this set psychological process um and yeah it's pretty ambitious and it's pretty scary and legally it's pretty scary um i think we can do it i think you know we've, we've got a shot and we've got a chance to kind of change the world and change the way people feel about psychology and i think if you can make if you can stop people being scared of it then there's a whole world there of stuff we're just one little bit one little tool kind of whatever but then there really is a whole world of stuff that i think it can help people i mean who the hell do you think you are you're not a doctor my, I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got my characteristics if you want them yeah let's have yeah it. go for it go on to my yeah number talk. one i have kindness two humor three fairness four bravery and five teamwork is that true darren what do you think I'd, yeah i'd say that sums you up pretty without well. doubt in a nutshell yeah and when he's got into trouble he's been too brave too kind too much humor too much humor usually yeah, it's usually the too much humor too much of an idiot usually if i do a, a stupid joke that ends up with 165 comments of people arguing is usually the best one <laughs> <laughs> amazing um I'm, I'm awesome right boys right, yeah we have check to, it out you have to knock this on the head i gotta put a little girl to bed and i got work tomorrow but um this has been possibly the most tangent tangentically tangentially i can stop being academic mate Tangentically speaking, podcast of all time, uh, but also all along pretty much the same. Yeah, all been on the same narrative, which is, which is fantastic. And uh, um, I would. Okay, Tomo's tangents. I, 
I'd like to take this opportunity to say massive thank you, A, for coming on, but I know you wanted to anyway, uh, but B, for answering those questions from the, the two people who did actually reach out and hopefully they listen and hopefully the information you've given them does help because A, if you're feeling anxious, then there is, there is always somebody that can help you and B, if you have got somebody that is threatening or you feel maybe in danger, there is ways to, to help and it's not your fault. Um, I think that's the main message that you, you were trying to portray. And yeah. also, thank you, Sean. I know you've been working hard today, and uh, but I do know you love to sit with that mic in front of your face. So, but um, let's do it again. Let's do it My again. Happy let's, place, mate. Let's do part two. Um, I'm going to do this. This um, I can't even remember it, but it's in my phone now. I'm going to do that test. Um, I wouldn't mind giving you my results on that, and also chat about some other stuff, some some, some random stuff. Let's, I let's think yeah. I think you should. I think you should let Al coach you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's do. It. Let's do. The, <laughs> give me half an hour, and we'll play ball. But you'll live it. You'll live it. I promise. It will change. Let Al do the. Let Al do the twenty-eight questions on you. All right. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in. What a legend. <laughs> I'm not scared of you, Al. I'm not scared of you, Al. All right, boys. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> hey, look at this kind thing. He made me cry playing with Lego. Shut up, man. Don't tell him that. Shush. <laughs> no. Thing is, though, Al. Yeah, all good. We didn't I even touch on the Lego. Al. Yeah, it is. I used to make Sean cry playing with Lego, so don't don't think you're special, mate. <laughs> just, just put Lego in Sean's hands and he cries. There you go. Yeah, right. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, mm. let's schedule it. Maybe in the new year, we'll do we'll do another one. Or whenever you're free, Al, I know you're a busy man. Um, brilliant. Great. I'm going to have to listen back to this, and I'll, I, I'm going to try and get this uploaded tonight. Wow, mega. Check you I don't believe you. Well, I'm going to fucking try, <laughs> all right? <laughs> All right, guys. I'll catch you later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.